just keep coming back. That there is a gift here. Through adversity, you can find strength. Through darkness, there is light. I put one foot in front of the other and just keep coming back. It's time for the Share Recovery Podcast, where we bring you amazing life-changing success stories from addicts and alcoholics all over the world who share their inspiring journey in recovery. And now, here's your host, O. On today's episode of the Share Podcast, we have a very special guest, Nikki Myers, the founder of Y12SR, the Yoga of 12-Step Recovery. Today, Nikki celebrates 15 years clean and shares with us her amazing battle with addiction and inspirational journey into recovery. In this episode, we do a deep dive into relapse prevention that combines 12-step recovery with the practice of yoga. Nikki drops some serious value bombs all over this interview. I am also very excited to announce that on November 21st through the 28th, Nikki will be here in Costa Rica. She is one of the guest speakers at Tommy Rosen's 2015 Recovery 2.0 Thanksgiving Retreat right here in beautiful Nosara, Costa Rica. Nikki will be sharing her amazing story as well as an in-depth workshop on codependency. This is what Nikki refers to as the disease of the lost self. Nikki is just incredible and she has a powerful message. I will be listing all the information about Nikki's website www.y12sr.com, the yoga of 12-step recovery, and how you can get a hold of her on the show notes right after this interview. I will also be listing the information about Tommy Rosen's 2015 Recovery 2.0 Thanksgiving Retreat. Tommy Rosen is the founder of Recovery 2.0. You absolutely do not want to miss this episode, so join us now. Hey, Nikki, thanks for joining us. Oh, hey, oh, thanks for having me. Oh, this is so exciting. I am just tickled to have you on the show today. <laughs> How are you feeling? I am great. How can I not be? 15 years. Celebrating 15 <laughs> years. You've got to be feeling just a tremendous amount of gratitude. Gratitude is the word. I am so grateful. I was saying to someone earlier, it's not just a, about a celebration for or about me. There's so many people, there's so many things that have contributed to me being able to be sitting here right now talking to you. I'm so grateful, just grateful beyond words. Well, so am I. You know, Nikki Myers is a big deal, ladies and gentlemen, and it's just exciting to have someone who has taken her program and added so much to it. And just like the rest of us, it's through those adversities, it's through those challenges in our lives where we find the solution. The solution is always in the steps and in the program. But then where it takes us is, you know, up to us entirely. Right, Nikki? Absolutely. I couldn't have said that better. Right on. So I know you have a busy day and I know you have lots going on. So tell us about how you keep your balance. Give us a snapshot of your daily routine, what you do, including recovery. I love it. And you're right. I do have a, a busy day. I'm celebrating tonight and I can't wait to get to a meeting tonight. So I'm so excited. So I usually get up and the first thing is prayer, meditation, practice. It's important for me in order to set my day right is to set my relationship right 
with the universe, the God of your understanding, whatever it is that you want to call it. So it's to align myself in that way. So I do a variety of practices in order to align myself and to put myself in the flow of recovery. My buddy Tommy Rosen calls it the frequency of recovery. I want to be in that frequency. And so in order to do that, I need to align myself that way. So I get up and I do a variety of practices, including a physical practice, because it is about the body and the energy and the mind and the heart. So I want to do some things to align those in such a way that I really am in the flow of the universe. So I usually get up and do those kinds of things. And within that includes the readings from both yoga and the 12-step program. And I know who I'm talking to in this particular podcast. So the program that I grew up in is NA. And so I usually do some NA readings and some other readings as well. And so it's just important for me to set my day in that kind of frequency. And then at the end of the day, it is something similar. I got a 10th step process that I like to go through at the end of the day. And for me, that's about many things. Part of it is about reclaiming energy that may be just out there and lost and all of that kind of stuff. So I go through a 10th step process before I end my day and then reconnect with something bigger than me. And it's just important for me to do that. That's exactly what we all should be doing. I try and do that myself. I'm not as religious about it as I should, but I'm always telling my wife, God, I got to pray and meditate more. And she goes, well, why don't you just do it? Right. So and <laughs> quit talking about it and just do it. And I always feel so much better when I connect, especially on a regular basis. And tell us a little bit about your website. Tell us a little bit about your program. Tell us about what you've put together as Nikki Myers. Oh, I am absolutely happy to. So the program is called Y12SR. And Y12SR stands for the Yoga of 12-Step Recovery. And what Watch of Us Are really is all about is relapse prevention. I've been doing this for a few years now. And really all got started around 2000, I think our first program. We really conceived it in 2003, but ran the first program in 2004. So it's been around for a little while. And it really is a program for relapse prevention. And as I've done it over the years, the other thing that I call it is a program for reintegration. And it's reintegrating all the parts of ourselves. The website is y12sr.com. So that's why the number 12SR. And again, that stands for Yoga 12-Step Recovery. And what we do is there are a couple of branches and arms to the organization itself. One is education and training. And education and training, we have actually three programs that, that we really focus around in that effort. The first we call the Watovasar Intensive. And the intensive looks at the 12-step program and looks at yoga philosophy and practices, looks at all the things that are going on in the domain of neuroscience and addiction as a disease of the brain, and also looks at all the things that are going on in trauma healing. And then 
does what I like to call connect the dots around those things. And that particular piece of the program, we have always said it is for 12 steppers who want to know a little bit more about yoga and yogis who want to know a little bit more about the 12 steps. And what we do there is, you know, what I like to call a deep dive into the whole idea. We call this one for application and understanding of the relationship between yoga and the 12 steps. And then from that, we do what's called a leadership training program. And this is to offer yoga teachers and others. You know, we've been doing work with folks that are in juvie halls and jails and places like that to equip and prepare them to go out into the world and offer what we call Y12SR meetings and classes. And what they are are a 12-step based discussion, right? And then a yoga practice that follows it. We call it a themed trauma-informed yoga practice. And the theme of Y12SR is the issues live in our tissues. And so by using the yoga practice preceded or followed by this discussion, we're able to couple the cognitive pieces that the 12-step program does so well with the somatic or body-based pieces that yoga offers, right? And it just gives us a way to release things that are held in our body that's difficult just to release in a talking format alone. So it gives us away another level of release of those things. And like I said, we have those two programs. And then about a year ago, we begin to offer one more. It's called Breaking Barriers, Transforming the Samskara of Codependency. And it really starts to look at this issue of codependency, which I assert that everyone has to get to at some point in their recovery. I've seen many people relapse because they've ignored or denied or just didn't pay attention to, period, this whole issue. We call codependency the disease of the lost self. And so they don't pay attention to that, and it can lead to relapse. So we started a whole new program around that. So that's our education and training. And then on the other side, we have what's called the Y12SR UOP. The UOP stands for the Urban Outreach Project. And this is where we actually supplement the pay of yoga teachers, Y12SR trained yoga teachers that want to go into underserved, under-resourced communities and offer Y12SR. So, and that's been going on for a couple of years now, and it's been really a tremendous success to offer people who normally wouldn't be able to, in treatment centers or community mental health centers, the ability to use, to have the benefits of Y12SR as well. Right. So that was a long-winded answer, but hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it's you taking the recovery program, you mentioned in there going to prisons, that's H&I work. So you've coupled that with doing yoga practice that will actually release some of these, to- I'm assuming it's the releasing of toxins, right? Exactly. And we're seeing more and more that medical science and brain science and all of that stuff is saying that your brain itself, they're talking about three brains now, one in your gut, 
one in your heart and one in your head, right? So these things go all over the body. And so we're looking for a way to release, you know, all the things that may be being held as a result of, of our addiction. And this gives us a way in order to do that. For those of you listening, Nikki has taken the practice of yoga and recovery and taken it to another level, combined it in a way that can also perform H&I work that is doing service, helping underprivileged communities. So there's a lot of service work involved here, and that's really what this program is all about. So what's great about all this is that I've heard Nikki's story, and she's going to share it with us right now. And the story that she has is from the beginning is very different than the person she is today. So let's go in the past a little bit, Nikki. You ready? I love it. And this is very fitting because the truth is all of Y12SR came out of my lived experience. It really came out of that. And so it's really appropriate to do that. But I want to start this out the same way I start anything that I do out. And this is to tell your audience, hi, I'm Nikki. I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a codependent. I'm the survivor of both childhood and adult sexual trauma. I am a love addict. I'm a recovering debtor spender. And I also say with the exact same gratitude and grace that I am a yoga therapist. I'm what's called a somatic experiencing practitioner, which is the trauma healing practitioner. I am the founder of Y12SR. I am an MBA. I've gotten an MBA. I am the mother of two living and one deceased child. I am so much more. And all of this, again, I say with the same gratitude and grace. It all means the same thing. And what I've discovered is that if I exalt and, you know, make all good and wonderful one part of myself and diminish another, you know, make bad, awful and wrong another part of myself, that I create a split inside of me. And, you know, that split turns into a war. And really, on many levels, that's the antithesis of what yoga is. And the 12-step program and yoga have brought to me, by the grace of something bigger than me, and program, and so many people to thank, has brought me a level of radical self-acceptance. And we know that's one of the spiritual principles that sit underneath the steps radical self-acceptance to accept all parts of myself that none of that you know I don't make one and one bigger and higher and all of it means the same thing that said all of those things inform my walk in the world I recognize them that none of them really define me I'm not defined by any of those and so I'm very very grateful and it's been the 12-step program and yoga that brought me to this incredible, wonderful place as I sit here and celebrate 15 years since my last relapse today. So, amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, that's beautiful. I know. I love it. So it started, I don't even know how to begin except to say addiction took me into jails, institutions, and death. All of those things. 
addiction took me into commercial sex work. It took me into I was domestic violence. It took me into jails, institutions, and death. We know this story, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. And so suffice it to say that in 1987, by the grace of God, I found my way into the rooms of, of N.A., and I'm so, so grateful. And I always say when I walked in those rooms, I could barely put a sentence together. I mean, barely put a sentence together. And there I found people who loved me till I could learn how to love myself. And I'm so, so grateful. And my first eight years of recovery were pretty incredible pretty incredible. I went back to school and that was when I got my MBA. And I'm going to say this because it will become a little relevant later on as I tell the story. When I went back to school, I first went and finished an undergrad degree and I finished the undergrad degree with straight A's. I finished it summa cum laude. And then I went and got my master's degree and I finished my master's degree delta cum laude, which means I got one B. And I always say I still got a little resentment with the woman that still holding a little. It was the one I'm working on that. Thing, so <laughs> I love yeah. it, man. Something's never changed. Exactly. One B. Right. And so through that, I realized that I hadn't lost all my intelligence, that I had some smarts. I really did, at least from the academic level. And my life started coming back together. I was working for a software company. I found I had an aptitude for software. I was working for a software company. Things were going really, really well in my life. Relationships with my children you know, were reestablished. All kinds of good things were happening in my life. And long story short, I was on a, a business trip. And this company that I was working for had me traveling worldwide and doing talks and workshops and things like that. And I was on a business trip and I moved to Boston and I was on this business trip. And suffice it to say, it was an international trip and it was just horrendous. It was just a, a really crazy whole travel, you know, just travel nonsense all the way. And by the time I reached my destination, which was in Germany, I got there hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, Mm -hmm. right? All of Mm -hmm. the above, right? And, you know, I'm a different person when I'm hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And, you know, I'm capsulizing this. Some other things had happened before this as well. But I end up in this place, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And I was supposed to speak the next day. They were having this little dinner and banquet. And suffice it to say that, that, well, the only thing that was left that they were serving to eat was orange sherbet served in champagne. And I made the bad decision. I was so hungry. I made the bad decision to go for it. And, you know, I just drank the champagne, ate the orange sherbet, and until they could bring me more food, I did that. And then I went back to my room. And when I went back to my room, there was a mini bar in the room. And I drank like Denzel Washington drank in that movie Flight, right? I was just picturing that. that. (laughs) That's exactly what it was. And almost like he did in that movie, I functionally made it through the next day 
But within three days, three or four days, I found myself in Amsterdam and I knew exactly who to become, who to be, where to go, how to act, the whole nine yards to find my drug of choice. And I did that. I found my drug of choice in Amsterdam and it was just on. And the amazing thing about that was I was eight years clean. I hadn't had a drink or drug in my body for eight years. And I knew exactly who to become, what to do, where to go, how to talk, all of that in order to find my drug of choice. And I did. Right. And it was just I was off to the races. So I finally made it back after a while. And after calling for some help, I found my way back to the States and then I came back into the rooms. So that was relapse. Number one, I came back into the rooms. Thank goodness. And it was then that I reunited with yoga. I had been introduced to yoga in the 70s and knew that there was something there, but kind of left it. Men and sex and drugs and all of that distracted me from the yoga at that time. Right. But when I came back to it, I knew that there was something there. And so I started doing yoga practices again. It started out with hot yoga, Bikram, and then it went to a practice called Ashtanga, right? A more physical practice called Ashtanga and really got into yoga and uh, started doing a little bit of teaching. Got really intrigued with yoga philosophy and started really studying yoga philosophy and really, really getting some insights and help from that whole thing. So stayed clean four years that way. And then I made the bad decision that yoga was all I needed. I didn't need the 12-step program anymore. Right, that this yoga thing was going to be it. And then I relapsed again. Right, so it was eight years clean the first time, four years clean the second. Right, and I already gone back to school, got all these degrees, got all this stuff, you know, all this stuff going on. Right, and I've relapsed again. Right, and this time I'm like WTF. Right, mm-hmm. and what I know today is that this is a disease that's far beyond the intellect, that I can intellect my way right into a coffin, right into a coffin, if I just depend on my intellect alone. So it was after that second relapse that I recognized that for an addict like me, that I needed really to seriously combine these two things, that there were some things going on at the level of the body and the energy that I needed to address along with the cognitive work that I did in the 12-step program. But I couldn't keep them in separate boxes, that they needed to be combined in such a way that they were all a part of what I like to call now my sustainable platform for recovery. I need a platform for recovery that includes many things. And of course, the 12-step program and the work in the 12-step program is a part of that. But I need this combination of the cognitive and the somatic to go along with that as well. And it's really out of that that Y12SR was born. It's right out of that that this whole thing was born. And so it was eight years clean the first time and then four years clean the second time. As of today, 
it's been 15 years since that last relapse. And so I always say the 12-step program saved my life. It absolutely positively saved my life. It is my lifeboat. Yoga's been a launching pad. It's been a <laughs> launching pad for me to really, really get deeply into what it really is for me to have this relationship with my body, my energy, my mind, my character, and my heart. And so, you know, I'm just so grateful for the combination of these things. And over the years, again, I've seen a lot of addicts just like me that need, you know, this other piece in order to really have a sustainable platform for recovery. And that's how it all came about. Again, it came about from my own lived experience in this thing. So what happens in White Tobis Our Meetings is, again, you have this discussion, a 12-step-based discussion, and then directly after a yoga practice. And now there are, oh my goodness, I don't even know how many. I can't keep count anymore. I think I don't even know, 200 or so across the United States. And they've started to go international. There's a lot going on now in London and there's meetings in Nicaragua. There are meetings, you know, several other places going on around. So it's starting to spread internationally. And I'm just so, 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 so deeply grateful for the whole thing. Wow, Nikki. That's a powerful story. And it's something that so many of us need to hear because so many of us have relapsed and getting back, finding our way back to the rooms, finding our way back to recovery. The ego is so heavy. It's so powerful that getting back on that horse sometimes is almost an impossible task. And no matter how many times you went down, you came back up and you came back stronger. Yeah. And one of the things we teach in Watuavasar is that a lot of the little wonderful phrases that we use in program, really we can use as embodiment, that we can feel them in our bodies. And what we've learned is that our bodies are really going to tell us first. If I'm on the verge of relapse or if I'm headed down that path, if I listen in at the level of body, that my body is going to tell me before my mind does. Right. So just being aware and attuning in at the level of body gives us a heads up on this relapse thing. And so that's what we teach as relapse prevention and Y12SR, how to really attune in at the level of body when I'm out of homeostasis and when I'm on the path of relapse. And then once I'm aware of that, I can use some tools. I can use the tools of the program. I can use the tools of yoga. And there are a whole bunch of those tools, of course. The answer may be call somebody. I need to call somebody now. The answer may be I just need to stop, keep coming back. Keep coming back is an embodiment right? It's an embodiment. What are you coming back to? There's a feeling that I know in my body when I'm really in that place where I'm coming back to center, where I'm coming back to connection. When I'm out of this dissociation and disconnection, there's a place that I know that's there. So use the breath to keep coming back 
or, you know, all these wonderful tools that I have. It may need, oh, my God, it's time for let me find a meeting right now. Maybe I need to stop and pray and meditate. We got a basket full of tools we can use, but we just need to know when to use them. Absolutely. I love it. God, there's just so much. And what you're referring to is, you mentioned it in the beginning, halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those are feelings that you can easily identify with. There's also when you're irritable, restless, and discontent. That's right. There's all these terms that are already provided for us when we first come in because recognizing our feelings, especially when you're brand new, your feelings are everywhere. You're feeling all kinds of stuff. Absolutely. Oh, particularly relating to the breath. The breath is, well, I tell people all the time, there's this phrase that's often heard in 12-step programs. If it's hysterical, it's historical. And what that means is if I'm triggered or, or irritated or angry or all of that, it really, because of the way our brain works, it's not about what's happening in front of me. It couldn't be, right? Because this brain is a, a reference machine. It's a database, right? It's got to be about something that happened. It's triggering something that happened earlier in life at some other point, right? Yep. It has to be. If it's hysterical, it's historical. And the, one of the things about the breath is that When my awareness is focused on my breath, you know, when I'm just saying, when I stop and say, inhale one, exhale one, inhale two, exhale. When my focus is really on my breath, I have to be back in present time. When I'm irritated or angry or any of those things, I've time traveled. I'm not in present time. I've time traveled. I've gone someplace else. And so when my focus is back on my breath, I have to be in present time because you can't breathe in the past and you can't breathe in the future. When your focus and awareness is on your breath, you have to be present and in present time. And when I can come back to present time, right, I can make decisions a whole lot differently than when I'm basing decisions on something that happened in the past. Does that make sense? That makes 100%. It's a big one. It's a huge one. And it's 100% true. In Spanish, resentment means to re-feel. That's all. That's, exactly. That's the word. So you're just exactly. re-feeling something. It's something that I remember going through that very early in, in recovery. My sponsor bringing that to my attention. Like a resentment, if you look at the Latin version of it, it's re is again, all right? And then sentimiento is feeling, resent. You're re-feeling something. That's, you have to identify with what you're feeling. And I, I remember all these great little aha moments that were happening, and my sponsor just walking me through this thing. And, and, you yep. know, that's the most important yep. aspect of both of these. You need somebody to take you through the yoga practice. You need somebody to take you through the steps. You need to, someone to, to teach you everything that we're talking about right now. For us, it's second nature, but it's only after you 15 amazing years, me after 12 years. You know, it didn't come overnight. You know, I get guys that come up to me and they're like, man, you have such an amazing life, man. You know, I want what you have. I mean, I have a beautiful wife. I got a beautiful home. You know, I make great money. That's what they see. They see and I go, yeah. I have 12 yeah. years. Yeah. Ask some of the guys what I look like. When I first came in these rooms, 
no I job, no money, you know, very overweight, very sick, crazier than a jailhouse rat. You know, I, I came in okay. greasier than a gas station mop. You know, and, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, so trust me, I was where you were at. One day at a time, this program will give you and deliver a life beyond your wildest dreams. I believe it. It is. And, you know, this was one of the things I put as I was putting on my Facebook page today about this 15-year thing. The one thing, too, just because of my history with relapse, I'm always aware of, right, is that 15 years, really in a long time to stay clean, 24 hours is a long time to stay clean, mm, right? I love and it. So the fact, yeah, me too. This is a one day at a time thing. And the invitation from this is to stay present. Again, you're talking about the breath. Life doesn't happen in the past and it doesn't happen in the future. Your life is now in this precious present moment. And so the one day at a time thing, that's what that means for me. You know, what I do in this minute informs the next minute. I love the little phrases we use in program, you know, do the next good, right, honest thing. Just do the next good, right, honest thing. You know, if I live by that, that sets up what happens in the next moment. If I'm doing the right, good, right, honest thing, that informs the next moment. And so, you know, it's just all those little things we learn in program. And to learn that, you know, that these are more than just cute little phrases or words. These are actually embodiments that have energy underneath them. And living in that energy is, again, like my buddy Tommy Rosen, who's got the Recovery 2.0 program, always talks about is that's living in the frequency of recovery versus the frequency of addiction, because addiction has a frequency, right? It has an energy, right? It has a frequency. And so I want out of the vortex, that vortex of, of addiction, and to be in the energy, right, of recovery. Recovery has an energy too, and that's what I want to be in. Well, you're either aligning yourself with recovery or you're aligning yourself with addiction. That's, with relapse. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. That's, That's it. it. All right. So let's start closing up, Nikki, because we've got like a lot of exciting stuff here. But I want to ask you a few questions for the newcomers because I want them to relate a little bit to what it was like back when you were out there. So I want to ask you a few questions okay. for the newcomers where you can respond with inspiring and insightful answers for all of our newcomers. Are you ready? Okay. Excellent. Okay. So how old were you the first time you drank or used drugs? And more importantly, how did they make you feel that first time? I was like 13, but I always say 13 going on 32. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was that kind of thing. It started with a drink and I lost all my inhibition. I closed down a lot due to some early childhood sexual stuff and some early childhood trauma, right? And some trauma period, right? And just living in the life and culture, you know, that I lived in. I'm an African-American woman that lived in the United States and I was born in 1953. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was 
Yeah, there's a whole lot associated with that, period. And so when I drank, I felt free for a moment. I felt like I was able to get access to speech and actions. You know, it just said that's how I felt. That's how I felt. You know how we say it worked till it didn't. Right. right? <laughs> Absolutely. We're always looking to disconnect from all that trauma, from all those fears, That's from right. everything that happened to you. And the reason why I ask that question is because there's so many women I've interviewed, men, women, and there's always, you know, not always, but there's plenty that have had those sexual traumatic experiences. They've been yeah. molested either by a family member yeah. or by a neighbor and discussing these things openly with someone else didn't happen until they found recovery. So they just held on to this. And that's right. A lot of what the podcast is all about is somebody in the comfort of their home or the car is listening to this and goes, Oh man, that happened to me too. You know, I can share about this. I can reach out. So yes, it's so important that feeling that you get, that first time you drink and all of a sudden it just, it all goes away. It all That's feels right. okay and That's good right. until it doesn't. Yep. Until it doesn't. Right. Which takes me to my next question. Once, you know, the first time you came into recovery and you hit your bottom, right? What was the first bottom that brought you into recovery? You know what? My very first bottom, bottom, Well, you know, it's really strange how this worked out. I saw a friend that I had been drinking and drugging with for years. I saw her in Atlanta and she had found recovery. And she, you know, told me about program, about the 12 steps and all of that. And I always considered myself a spiritual person. And I said, I am going to do this. And I happened to be going to a church or a spiritual community. And one of the things they would have you do is sometime before the holiday, this was the year before, they'd have you write a letter to God, right? And I wrote this letter to God and said, you know, I can't do this anymore. I see where this is ruining my life. I can't do this anymore. And so I've seen this friend who I hadn't seen for years, and she was really doing well in recovery. And again, one of the things she said to me basically is, if I can do this, you can do this. And it meant something to me when she said this. And then in December of that year, what this church did was mail the letter back that you had written the previous year. And I got the letter back. And like I said, I'd always considered myself a spiritual person. And I said, I've got to surrender. And uh, December 24th of 1987, I checked myself into a rehab center. Wow. Powerful. I mean, getting that letter back, that must have just, it it was your eyes popping out of your head. You probably started crying. All of that. What a sign. What an amazing sign. So was there anything that was keeping you from getting clean or staying clean when you first got introduced to recovery? It was just the habit, right? Mm -hmm. I had a habit. No doubt about it. I had a habit. And I was in a place from a mental place that 
I didn't believe that I had a choice. I thought that I was going to die an addict. And I always say my very first spiritual awakening was really the awakening that I had a choice, that there was a choice here, that there was another set of actions. There were some other things that I could do, that I had a choice. That was a biggie for me because I really, really, really believed that I had to die an addict. Wow, that's powerful. But you know what? We love stories here on the Share Podcast. And my next question is exactly that one. My next question is, at what point did you have that spiritual awakening? So give us a story, that aha moment in recovery when you accepted that you were powerless over drugs and alcohol, but for the first time developed a hope that you could recover. Yeah, and it really was. That was the very first time. That was the moment when I realized that I had a choice in this matter and that what it took in order that the choice wasn't just a matter of a mental choice, that the action associated with that choice was surrender. It was almost the moment that I really got what that phrase The biggest spiritual awakening was I got what it meant to surrender to win. And, you know, that was actually as a result of my first treatment and, you know, hearing about really getting information about the disease of addiction and, you know, really, really being in a place where after having drugs and alcohol out of my body for a period of time, that there was a different level of being that opened up that could hear and see and really be in life at a completely different level of understanding. And it really clicked in about that phrase, surrender to win, right? It really clicked in. So what it sounds like, it comes from the basic text. It sounds like as you were going through the basic text and started working the steps, that's when this, this moment, this aha moment kind of clicked in where you could relate to the information inside the basic text. And it was really third step stuff that it really opened things up at a whole new level because I was raised, I never wanted to accept help. It was a sign of weakness to say that you needed something outside yourself or that you needed help or that, you know, you weren't this pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of person. Right. So to be able to understand that there was and really not just understand, it's more than understanding, but to feel at a very deep level that there's something bigger than me. Like we talk about in program, a loving, caring force that's bigger than me. Right. That was really on my side because not much had been on my side up to that point. Absolutely. And so. Yeah, so it was that recognition. That's where I was getting to, Nikki. You know, there is that moment and the story. It's like, where was that? What were you doing? Well, I was working steps. I was actually reading. I was in the literature. I was actually, you know, participating in my own recovery. And somewhere in that third step, I get this spiritual, this aha moment that tells me, wow, this is me. And there is a solution and there is hope. That's it. There's so many newcomers that just refuse to work the steps. They go to meetings, 
they hang out with the other members, and they're trying to do it by osmosis. And then when things go south for them, they're like, man, I don't know. I, don't just, I just don't know what's wrong. I just don't know why I'm not getting this. Well, what step are you on right now? Well, I haven't really started working the steps yet. Hmm. Okay. That's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah that's a problem. Yeah. Nobody gets in yeah. for free here. You know, that's you, right. You gotta do, mean, yeah, you got to do the work. There's no money involved. There's work involved. That's right. And it's all the steps. Yes. So, yes. you know, you can't just stop at three. You know, and I know those are one, two, and three are the foundation steps. Right. But you can't just stop there. The analogy that we use around that is in Watovasar is that as humans, we're a vessel. Right. And that through the throes of addiction, addiction turns our vessel upside down. So I was in the water upside down for 34 years. Right. And then I make a decision and steps one through three help turn that vessel back right side up. Right. They get right side up. And then four through nine, I was in the water upside down for all those years. My vessel's full of shit, right? <laughs> it's full of crap. Yes. <laughs> right? So I got to clean that vessel out. And that's what four through nine do. They clean that vessel out and prepare it for sale, right? And then once I've cleaned it out, I got to 10 through 12 are about sustaining that whole thing. It's sometimes maintenance. I like to call it sustainability. It's about making sure that I am an appropriate vessel to set sail on my spiritual voyage. Right. And so you got to work all the steps. It's not just, you know, sometimes I see people that do the one, two, three, and they find a sense of foundation, find a little freedom, and then let go of the rest of them. And that is not a way to sustain recovery. That's my experience. Wow. This is gold. Nikki, this is gold. I love it. What a great... This is how your episode's going to start. (laughs) I love it, man. That's powerful. It's such an easy way to look at the 12 steps. It's so easy. And you can easily recognize, you know, if you haven't started the steps, they don't all make sense. But that analogy helps you understand what happens There is a process, and as you go through this process, you can't skip any of it, or you will be living in shit the rest of your life. That's it. Man, that's That's it. That's good stuff. All right, Nikki. I love it. (laughs) Do you have a favorite book that you would recommend to our listeners? Boy, it's something. I'm reading a lot now. There is one of the first books I read, actually in my first treatment, was a book by a guy named M. Scott Peck, which was called The Road Less Travel. Yes. And yeah, what it related to, and I really still have a really big fondness for that book. And what it related to is that how at our hearts, all addicts, we're pretty spiritual beings, that there's a spirituality. You know, we're not talking religious, but there's a, a spirituality there. And so I love that book because it talks about that. One of the books that I'm reading right now that I love a lot is by, actually, he's a Franciscan priest. His name is Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R. And the book is called Breathing Underwater. Mm. And I love his perspective. He really is a what occurs for me is a mystic. And he is a, a 12-step practitioner. And I love the way that what I'm reading in his work now, it's just taken and he talks about what in many cases we're really addicted to 
is he talks about the way we think that addiction really lies between our two ears, right? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> I love it. It's true. That's and where so it is. I love, yeah, and I love the way he talks about that. So those are the two I'm thinking about right now. Perfect. And what is the best suggestion you have ever received? It was after the, and you hear this often with newcomers, but I really, really got it after that second relapse. And my sponsor said, come in the rooms, take a seat, just sit down and shut the F up. (laughs) (laughs) Old school, old school. Old school, right? And But that's what I needed because I was all in my head. I was all in my intellect. I was all figuring things out. I had an answer for everything. I knew why I relapsed and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it was at that point in time, one of the best things that anybody has said to me. And what I've discovered out of that, that there's a principle underneath that for me is whenever I'm feeling anxious and whenever I'm feeling irritated, sometimes the answer is just to stop, go sit down, close my eyes and just shut up. And that means for me, shut my mind down, just shut all the chatter, go to someplace else just to shut it off. Right. That's so it's been some of the best advice at many levels that I've ever received. Nikki, take the cotton out of your ears and stick it in your mouth. That's it. Oh, that's it. Amen. What I find is that newcomers today are a little bit more sensitive. They don't respond to that so well these days, but uh, I I still let them have it. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) Believe me, I know. Yeah. And so if you could give our listeners only one suggestion, what would it be? I just say keep coming back. Yes. Just keep coming back. That there is a gift here. And you said it in the very beginning. Through adversity, you can find strength. Through darkness, there is light. Right? And so I put one foot in front of the other. Right? Especially when times feel really rough. Right. You put one foot in front of the other and just keep coming back. And that means a lot to me in many ways. I keep coming back to center and the practices that are necessary for me to be in a place of center. I keep coming back to connection. I keep coming back to the people that I know have my well-being at heart. Right. So It's that whole emphasis around keep coming back and what it means at many, many levels that I would just tell everyone, just keep coming back. That's it. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. That's right. And you're (laughs) worth it. So, Nikki, you're celebrating 15 years. What meeting are you going to be celebrating your 15 years at? I am actually in L.A. I'm in Los Angeles, so I'm not at home right now. But I'm going to a meeting tonight where I'm going to celebrate with someone else who actually is someone that's celebrating one year clean as I celebrate 15 years clean. So we're going to share that tonight. It's at a a meeting that's on Lincoln Boulevard 
and I don't know the name of the cross street in Venice, California. Do you know the name of the group? I don't, not off the top of my oh, head. Man. It's, yeah, I don't well, know. Well, there's the only there's only like 3,500 meetings in Los Angeles. It, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. I'm from well, LA originally. It's 7:30 tonight, and it's at a place I think they call the Love Shack, right? <laughs> of course, it is. <laughs> so, but I don't know the name. Of the, I don't know the name of the meeting, but I'm very excited about being there, and I'm very excited about that. And then next week when I go home, I'll go to my home group and I'll celebrate there as well. So What's the name really, of your home group? It's called really Sunday morning recovery. So excellent. Where are you from originally? Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay. That's where home is. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I've lived lots of other places, but I'm back in Indianapolis right now. Nikki, thank you so much for sharing your experience, strength and hope with us and joining us here on the share podcast. This has been awesome. Oh, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to meet you. I can't wait to meet you in Costa Rica and to come to meetings there. I'd love it. Oh, you're absolutely going to love it. So the way we like to close here is, and the way we say goodbye in Costa Rica is Pura Vida. Pura Vida. Thank you for joining us on the Share Recovery Podcast. To check out the show notes page on this interview or to thank our guests for sharing their story, go to www.thesharepodcast.com. While you're on the website, don't forget to sign up for our free newsletter to stay up to date on the latest news, podcasts, and interviews. Want to be one of our guests and share your story? Then go to our website and click on the Share Your Story button. We share our inspiring recovery stories every Tuesday. So subscribe to our show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio to get your free weekly download. We'll see you then. The opinions shared on this show reflect those of the individual speaker and not of any 12-step fellowship as a whole. And though we discuss 12-step recovery and the impact it had in our lives, we do not promote or endorse any 12-step anonymous program.